said life is easy, but I believe by giving yourself permission, you will find you have more control over your life than you realize. I'm Julie. I hope you will join me by taking responsibility for yourself by only controlling the things you can and letting go of the things that you can't. By doing this, you will have discovered the secret to having happy, healthy, and more fulfilling relationships. This is Nearest and Dearest Podcast. I'm Julie Rogers. You are listening to Episode 5, Blending My Family, Part 1. I told you in my last episode, Divorce Mode, that 40 to 50% of marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. So it should come to no surprise that many remarriages involve children who are thrown into a world of steps. Stepmothers, stepfathers, step-siblings, and step-grandparents. As of 2019, more than 3.9 million children lived in a household with a step-parent in the United States. This is according to the U.S. Census Bureau. At one time, this was a rarity in American culture. Now, blended families are more common. Not every blended family ends up getting married. Some thrive as a domestic relationship. The one common thread for blending families together is realizing it is a constant evolution that happens along the way. It takes time and a lot of effort. Children will adapt to change, but it's the parent's responsibility to set the tone and create a loving and accepting environment for everyone. When my parents divorced around 1977, the dynamics changed dramatically and quickly for my family. My siblings and I would see our dad on Sundays and share some of the holidays with him. He remarried within a year after they divorced. Our new stepmother and her youngest son lived with our dad. So basically, from the time I was 11, my mom raised me my older brother, and two younger sisters. Mom became a single mother. My dad moved on with his life, with his second wife, but I feel he never reconciled his feelings he still felt for our mom. It was clear he was still angry with her, and we all felt it. My dad paid child support that was court-ordered. When I became a teenager, And if I needed something, like a pair of shoes for school, he would say, that's why I give your mother child support. I learned quickly not to ask him for anything. If I wanted something, I would earn it myself. This taught me that I could work and earn my own money and spend it on what I felt I wanted or needed. Babysitting jobs were my first employment. My mom always worked full-time, 
sometimes two jobs to help pay the bills and take care of us. We were a low-income family. We all understood the value of a dollar and realized that working hard was the way to be successful. My dad and stepmother did not blend our families together. My stepmother had older adult children who were on their own. She had a teen son who lived with her and my dad. It felt like two separate families. I never viewed any of her children to be my step-siblings or even her as a stepmother. She was our dad's wife. We just didn't have a close relationship. I also didn't see my dad's extended family very much after my parents divorced. It was the new norm. I didn't really question it. I just adapted to it. I do feel parents set the tone for their children, no matter what is happening after divorce and a new marriage. Their influence and behavior affects their children. To this day, I have mixed feelings about the relationship I had with my dad. Because of the animosity he had towards my mom, we never were able to merge together for birthdays, holidays, even sports or other school events. If my mom was going to attend, my dad would not come. This was the disconnect after my parents divorced. It was still present once we all had our own children. We could never invite my dad and stepmother, along with my mom, to any family gatherings. It just was what it was. It was all we knew. Sometimes in the beginning, when grandchildren came along, our mom would not go to every family gathering or baseball game, etc., to give our dad an opportunity to be there. But after a while, she felt that it was his choice not to come just because she was there. She didn't want to miss out on those opportunities because of his resentment towards her. My children knew my mother more intimately than their grandfather, but that was because I had a strong relationship with my mom. She would make numerous regular trips to Connecticut to see me and my family. I also would make numerous and regular trips to New York to see her and my siblings. My dad did come to Connecticut a few times with my stepmother, but it just wasn't as comfortable as having my mom and siblings visit. I would call him when I was in New York visiting, but I didn't always take the time to go and see him. I regret that I didn't take that time to have real conversations with him about his past, his hurt, or put forth more of an effort on my part to involve him with my life and my own family. It was hard for me to open up to him about my feelings. I didn't know how to connect with him more honestly. Regret is a horrible feeling. I try hard now not to have any regrets. I try to move forward and leave behind any hurts or expectations. We can never change our past, 
but we can focus on the positives and try to be the best version of ourselves. I can't help but compare my own childhood experiences with having divorced parents and the reality of dealing with my own divorce. There are similarities and vast differences between the two. Alcoholism was the main reason both marriages failed. The main difference was I had only my son to finish raising while my mom had five younger children to raise. Another significant difference was my ex-husband's alcoholism was spiraling out of control and he wasn't working and became homeless. My dad was able to get treatment for his alcoholism and began to live a sober life. My son was 16 and understood why I felt we needed to move to New York and live near my family. It was important to begin to heal from the heartache we both felt. In this respect, Sean and I were blending in with my family, which included my mom, my two sisters, and two of my older brothers, who all lived in northern New York. I had lived in Connecticut from 1983 to 2006. Coming back to New York to live felt like coming home again. Living near my family was exactly what I needed to cope with my loss and begin a new life. I became a single mom. I was 40 years old. I was also going to be a grandmother for the first time. My daughter Ashley and her husband Peter were expecting their first child. I had such a sense of freedom and empowerment. Even though I had difficulties with finances, going from a two-person household income to a one-person income with no child support was a huge adjustment. I made it work. I believe in working hard for what you get. I also believe in being grateful for what you have. Because of my ex-husband's alcoholism, it was very difficult for my son to see him. Joe became an unrecognizable person. His addiction had changed who he had become. It was too painful for Sean to see him like this. There were times over the years when Joe would be in rehab again and would start communicating with Sean. As he became an adult, he would tell his dad to contact him only when he was sober. He only saw him twice after we left Connecticut. One of those times was at my father-in-law's funeral. It was very difficult for both Ashley and Sean. We all knew that it was Joe's choice to get the help he needed to stay sober. All any of us could do was encourage him to get treatment and change his actions. Having a family member who is an addict and who becomes homeless and jobless is devastating. Unfortunately, the addict has to want the help and do the work to change. 
Only then can the love and encouragement from family and friends make a difference. I knew I wanted to have love in my life again. From 2006 through 2012, I embraced my life choices. Sean was about to graduate from college with honors. Ashley and Peter were expecting their fourth child. I was ready at 46 to find the love of my life. Coming up in Episode 6, Blending My Family Part 2, I will continue to share with you about how I moved back to Connecticut in the fall of 2012. Sean was finishing the last semester for his degree and was moving forward with his own life. Ashley wanted me to move back to Connecticut to be closer to her, Peter, and my grandchildren. I had to face my past and ultimately follow my instinct and trust my heart. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, Nearest and Dearest Podcast. There you will find episode notes and links. The views and opinions expressed by Nearest and Dearest Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Nearest and Dearest podcast. Any content provided by Julie Rogers or any other authors are of their opinion. They are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Thank you.